just wanted to build my, uh, some anticipation. Let's hear it for our youth group, guys. I am. Uh, I told him, Steph and I got to be out there. I told him, I think I'm the proudest pastor in the world to have a youth group like this. You guys are amazing, coming from so many different walks of life, and uh, but coming together as one. I just think what God's doing in this youth group is incredible, and uh, just love you guys so much. And um, I'm going to preach a message that you're going to all totally be able to relate to because I'm talking about marriage today. But you know, I I always oh, I got one marriage fan. I, uh, I always like to start with something funny. And my team that uh, helps me put Sundays together said, you've got to show this video. And especially the women on my team were like, you've got to show this. So let's watch this, uh, this little funny video, first of all. It's just, there's all this pressure, you know? And sometimes it feels like it's right up on me. And I can just feel it, like literally feel it in my head. And it's relentless. And... I don't know if it's going to stop. I mean, that's the thing that scares me the most is that I don't know if it's ever going to stop. Yeah. Well, you do have a nail in your head. It is not about the nail. Are you sure? Because, I mean, I'll bet if we got that out of there... Stop trying to fix it. No, I'm not trying to fix it. I'm just pointing out that maybe the nail is causing... You always do this. You always try to fix things when what I really need is for you to just listen. See, I don't think that is what you need. I think what you need is to get the nail See, you're not even listening now. Okay, fine. I will listen. Fine. It's just... Sometimes it's like... There's this achy... I don't know what it is. And I'm not sleeping very well at all. And all my sweaters are snagged. I mean, all of them. That sounds really hard. It is. Thank you. Ow! Oh, come on. Ow. If you would just... Don't... Try to see things... All right. How many of you know that men and women can see things differently? And that's why we're jumping in today to this passage on marriage from Ephesians 5. Pray with me, Lord, we love you. We love your word. We love that you address every topic in our lives. It just seems like there's nuggets of truth for every aspect, and we, we love that. Lord, we're celebrating what you did at youth camp, the, the salvations, the transformations, and these students radically surrendering their life to you. And, and today is a day of great celebration for us. And now, Lord, as we open up your word, give us soft hearts to hear what you're speaking to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I will never forget, on Steph and my six-month anniversary of dating, I took her to a nice restaurant called Green Pastures in Austin, Texas. We're walking across the green lawn hand-in-hand, and I look at her, and I'll never forget that white sundress with the little blue flowers on it and the sun shining in her chestnut hair, and then we sat down at the table, gazing into her beautiful hazel eyes across the candlelight, and I think, I am absolutely in love with this woman. She is the most beautiful woman on earth. I have to spend the rest of my life with her. And I, uh, 
I found out on the same night, she totally fell for me. And it was like an absolute dream. And then I'll never forget, just months later, we're celebrating Steph's birthday. It's our first time as a married couple to celebrate her birthday. Some of you have heard this story before. And so I am like, this is my wife. I want her to know the depths of my love. And even though I have no money, we're so poor. I'm going to go all out on a gift. And I studied her and I thought, what is going to bless her? And so I went out and bought a pair of sneakers. And I'm waiting, we're having this romantic meal, and like at that, you know, moment, I, I pull out a box and wait with a bated breath just for her to ooh and awe and have a heart melted, and she opens up the box, and you know, women, you're not always the best at hiding how you really feel about things, and, and so I see that instead of elation, she kind of has a on her face. And, and so I press her, like I press her for the truth. Like men, we don't actually want to know the truth, right? In those moments, but I press her for the truth. Do you love them? And she kind of starts saying, well, this, I would have rather had this or that. And then she's hurt. And then I'm hurt. And then she starts crying. And the night just went worse and worse as she ends up crying. And I end up angry and feeling like an absolute loser. And I'm like, how did we go from absolute dream just months ago to bad dream, nightmare, right? And and that's what I find that happens so regularly in marriages is that we start with passion and attraction, right? No, No two people got together and said, I hate you, you hate me, let's get married, right? That's not how it starts, right? But yet, you know, within months, we start missing each other and hurting each other. And all of a sudden, we find ourselves in a mess. And that's what I love about Ephesians 5 is that Paul gives us these keys, albeit very challenging keys, to help us live the marriage that God desires for us. And let me just give you a little forewarning. Um, you're probably going to get offended uh, today by this message. Some point in this message, I will probably offend everyone except the youth because they're so tired that they're just, I'm just hoping they stay awake. But let me just warn you, I will probably offend you. But here, here's a, a, a loving father sits down at the table and, and says some things, whether everyone likes it or not. And can I just tell you, if you don't like everything I have to say, it doesn't mean that I don't love you and accept you. Um, a healthy family is a family because they have the same DNA. They have the life of Jesus living in them and they have unconditional love. So even if you struggle with some of the things I, I say today, it doesn't mean that I don't love you and you can still love me, right? But what I want to do like a coach would do is a coach will actually say things that are challenging because he wants his team to succeed and he wants the best for his organization. So we're going to jump in there and we're going to start with this verse in Ephesians 5, starting with 21, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. You know, one of the ways that we show the world that we follow Jesus is by submission. This is one of the keys to demonstrating Christianity to the world. And I think about it in the context of a schoolroom. A teacher said, students, will you be quiet? Will you sit down? Will you pull out your textbooks, pull out your paper and pen and start taking notes? And why is she doing that? She's doing that for the peace, for the order and the productivity of the classroom. And so people can grow. 
And if someone decides, I'm not gonna do that, I'm gonna do my own thing, that's called rebellion, and that creates an environment of chaos where people don't grow, and actually it can even be dangerous for people. Let me just say it this way. Uh, If you don't like submission, or if you won't learn submission, then you're probably gonna have a hard time as a Christian. Because our whole life is about submitting to the lordship of Jesus Christ. And let me just tell you, society works because of submission. We learn to submit to our teachers first. We learn to submit to our bosses. We learn to, let me just tell you, Disneyland, the happiest place on earth. You have to submit. They say, keep your arms and legs inside the car at all times, right? And you have to submit. You can't cut in line. So the happiest place on earth, you still have to submit, right? And, and so in marriage, first and foremost, Paul is saying, submit to one another. So here's how how submission works in a marriage. First of all, someone walks in and says, hey, will you take out the trash? If one spouse does it, that's submitting, right? The other spouse says, hey, will you set the table? They go and do it, that's submitting. Hey, change this baby's diaper, that's submitting, right? That, that, these are, so here's submission lets two individuals work together as a team. So let's go to what this word means in the Greek. We like to look at the Greek meaning, it's hupotasso, hupotasso. And it's actually, when Paul talks about submission, it's a Greek uh, term, it's a military term, meaning to arrange a troop in divisions in a military fashion under the command of a leader. In non-military use, it was a voluntary attitude of giving in, cooperating, assuming responsibility, and carrying a burden. One of the reasons that military works is submission. And it's because the military is on a mission. The reason we submit is not to make the captain or the sergeant feel good about himself or to feel important. That's not the purpose of submission. The purpose is to accomplish the mission. So there'll be order in the midst of chaos. Imagine a platoon, all of a sudden they're in battle and someone says, duck! And the different individuals start looking around and go, I don't know if we want to duck. Do you think we should duck? I don't know, let's just, I I don't like ducking. It makes me uncomfortable. And everyone just starts, it's not a democracy. The whole point is the military thinks we actually function best if there's order. And let me tell you, marriage and family is God's order for healthy society. The word is upo, it's it's a compound word, upo, tasso. Upo means under, and then tasso is in order. And so the point isn't control, it's not dominance, it's to have a healthy order. Now, here's why we're okay with it in military, uh, because we believe in the mission to protect and to serve. But in family, you see, so many times we think the purpose of family is to make me happy. So because we think that's, it's about being happy, then we're like, I don't want to submit because I want to be happy. And you are just telling me to do something because you want to be happy. And the kids are like, well, I don't want to do that because my parents just want to be happy. And, and that's why we have to understand that a family has to be on mission in order for there to be healthy submission. No, I want you to remember it. So write it down. Verse 22, wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do the Lord, for the husband's the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, 
his body of which he's the savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands and everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. So now I get to address one of the most heated topics in all of contemporary Christianity. Awesome being me today. But God speaks in such a loving way to this. This is, this is so powerful. And, and you have to choose. Some, some of you, let me just tell you, when I read that verse, you were like, oh, I can't believe you read that verse. <laughs> I'm preaching through the whole book of Ephesians. I had to read that verse. Right? And, and, and here's the deal. We have to decide, how do we relate to the Bible? Do I just kind of thumb through? Ooh, I like that verse. Oh, Psalm 23. Green pastures, quiet waters. Ooh, ooh. Pick up your cross and die? Mm. Nope. And, and do we just pick and choose what we like, what we feel good about? Or do we actually say, no, the Bible is the authoritative word and I get under it. Right? And so that's how we've chosen. At this church, we say we're going to actually believe what the Bible says. We're going to get under it, whether I like it, whether you like it, because God has our best, because God is love. And so let's unpack this here. So in this passage, you have two of the most challenging admonitions to men and women ever. Right? Women, submit to to the head, your husband, and then men, give yourself up for the wife. And, and, and so here's what we have to understand. We have to understand the purpose of marriage because we're getting some challenging admonitions here. So the purpose isn't just to be happy. Here's the purpose. Purpose number one. I'm going to give you two purposes. Purpose number one, we find it in verse 31 and 32. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and they'll become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ in the church. Purpose number one of marriage is to represent Christ and the church. Like marriage is such a bigger deal than you just being happy and having some warm fuzzies and having someone to go to the coffee shop with and walk your little white poodle. It's so much bigger, right? And it's about representing Christ and the church. And that is why the devil comes against it so much. Because if there's two things he hates, it's Jesus and the church. So he attacks the institution of marriage in general, and he comes against your marriage and my marriage. Okay, secondly, it says this. Verse 26, 27, we backtrack a little. To make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with the water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blameless uh, blemish, but holy and blameless. The second purpose of marriage is to make you holy. I love Gary Thomas's book, The Sacred Marriage. He says, what if marriage isn't to make you happy, but to make you holy, right? And so sometimes we're like, I got married. It was great. And then I was so hard. Can I just tell you that that poor knife, when it's getting sharpened, it's not going, oh, this feels so good. No, parts of it are being scraped off. And that's why God gave us marriage to scrape the rough edges off of you and to make you holy. And that's hard. Now, please hear me. I'm not saying that marriage can't be happy. Stephanie and I have a very happy marriage. We are so happy. But here's one of the reasons I believe we're so happy. Because we never made happiness our goal. Can I say that again? We never made happiness the goal. The goal was to represent Christ in the church. The goal was to become holy. The goal was to be on mission for Jesus. And then happiness is a byproduct. But can I just tell you, there's some blushingly happy moments of marriage in this book. 
It's called Song of Solomon. Do not read it yet. It's PG-13 or 17 or whatever. Don't, don't read it, especially my kids. And um, now there are some happy moments in marriage, but if you make happiness the goal, you put an expectation and a burden on someone that they can never fulfill. About to start preaching. So let's go to this. Let's, let's, uh, let's unpack this. Um, wives, submit to your husband. This is hard. Husbands, give yourself up for your wife. This is seemingly impossible. Okay, so let me go back to the playground. I've, I've had the chance to be in over 50 countries. And what I found in Central America, South America, North Africa, South Africa, Western Europe, Eastern Europe, Siberia, Middle East, Asia, South Asia, uh, primitive cultures in huts or the most technological uh, culture, it's the same on the playground. I see girls and they go out and around the world in every culture, they have these dolls and they're being so nurturing and so sweet, and they're playing house, and they're loving taking care of someone else, okay? And, and, and women, you actually breastfeed. Like, you give your life for someone else. Like, men would never do that. <laughs> so that's why God doesn't have to tell you, give yourself up for someone, because it's just natural for you to do. Amen. Are you following me? easy, but like you naturally love and nurture. Like the second Steph wakes up in the morning, she's thinking about what do the kids need? What do they need? And how do they, and how do we connect with them? And I'm like, oh, uh, <laughs> coffee. <laughs> On the contrary, men in, in every, and, and I'm not saying women that you don't like sports and you don't do those things. Like I'm just being generalized, right? I can't say every caveat to everything. Okay. Men, I go around the world and guys run out on the playground and immediately they organize themselves into some sport, usually a contact sport, usually a dangerous, rough, hitting each other thing. But here's what they do. There's always someone that rises up as a leader and then they start barking orders and then the guys actually fall in place. Like they actually fall into an order. It's a little more natural, okay? And so girls... I'll see you on the playground and you'll actually sit in a nice symmetric circle and share with each other your feelings. Like a guy, they never know how to do that, right? Like we have to be trained, right? But, 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 so are you following me? So God gives these impossible, very challenging, like men, give yourself up. That's not natural. And women submit. In order, that's not natural. And you know what? It takes God to live out these hard commands. It takes the power of the Holy Spirit and a lot of humility to actually live out these things. So let's start with the husbands. Let's let's be tough with the husbands first, okay? Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Oh, that's easy. Love like Jesus loved. Right? So here, here's what I find. A lot of times women have a hard time saying, like, I don't, I, I really have a hard time giving my husband the headship because if I do, then, then like, he could just tell me to do anything. No, it says, 
Husbands, love like Christ loved the church. You never see Jesus sitting there and going, hey, Peter, give me a beer, right? That's not. <laughs> hey, Mary, cook me a steak and a potato, right? That's, that's not Jesus. What do you see Jesus doing? You see Jesus laying down his whole life, taking a whip on his back for the church, being nailed to a cross, having a sword in his side, being pierced. You know what? If you're going to be a husband like Jesus, you're going to die. That's what the Bible's saying. Husbands, die. Hey, listen, don't get married unless you want to die. I'm serious. So this is what Jesus did. So, so men, we are calling you to be the head of your home, to be the leader of your household, and to be like Jesus when you do it. So how is Jesus the leader? How is he the head? First, Jesus came to comfort, okay? So have you ever noticed Jesus is always talking? There's so many red verses in the Gospels. Men, we don't always feel like talking. Like sometimes you have to talk even when you don't feel like it. We want to come home and watch Sports Center. But Jesus didn't do that. He talked and he, and he listened and then he comforted probably when he didn't want to. Like meant Jesus led by comforting. Jesus came to serve, right? He wouldn't, it, the Bible says he didn't come to be served, but to serve. So Jesus washed the feet of his disciples. He fed people. He prayed for people. That's how a husband is supposed to lead by being the servant. Jesus came to defend. And here's what I love. Jesus defends the woman caught in adultery when she's actually in sin. He wasn't like, I'm just gonna defend my wife when she's perfect. He said, I defend the church even when she's making mistakes. Whoa, right? Jesus was willing to be disgraced. People said all kinds of things. He's a drunkard. He's a, he's a sinner. He's a friend of prostitutes. He was willing to be disgraced to show love. Jesus was willing to be open and vulnerable. So Jesus is in the garden, in the garden with his disciples and he's weeping and he's saying, I, I'm, I'm sorrowful to the point of death. Jesus opened up and then he cried, right? In front of the church, right? Some of you women are going, oh, that's so sweet. He shared his heart and he cried, right? This is, this is Jesus and, and Jesus was forgiving. The man, the disciples said all kinds of dumb things right? And they did all kinds of dumb things. And what did Jesus do? He just kept forgiving. And for even to the, when he was betrayed, even when he's hurt, can I just tell you, husbands, we're to be like Jesus. And it's not when your wife deserves it. It's letting that unconditional love flow out of you at all times. That's called giving yourself up. Okay, women, th- this is going to be challenging. Okay. I went after the men. Now let me share this lovingly with you. Um, The church is to honor Jesus as the head. The the wife is to honor the husband as the head. And and what does that mean? It it means not saying, hey, I know better than you. I got this. I'm going to make my own decision, right? It's it's natural for you to, to give. It's natural for you to give up your life. But it's a little harder to say, okay, I'm going to wait. I'm going to hold my tongue. I'm I'm not just going to jump out there and make my own decision. So, Think about if a husband and wife, if Adam and Eve had taken their roles in the garden, things would have worked out so much better. So 
Here's what happens in the Garden of Eden. Woman's walking around, big nasty snake comes up, eat this fruit. Woman goes, oh, okay, I'll do it. And eats it, right? What if she would have followed the Bible? Woman walking around, big nasty snake comes up, eat this fruit. And she goes, hold on, I need to ask my husband about that. So Eve comes over, hey, Adam, honey, there's a nasty snake over there. And he's like asking me to eat some fruit that God said don't eat. What do you think we should do? And Adam goes, huh? Nasty snake? Not on my watch. (laughs) Hey, you. Yeah, you, Mr. Snake. Hey, you don't talk to my girl like that. I'm going to punch you in your snake nose. Punch them. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Hey, honey, I don't think we should eat that fruit. But I was thinking, that must have been really hard for you when that big nasty snake came and talked to you. Let's process that. How's your heart doing right now? How are you emotionally feeling? Is there anything I can do for you? Hey, I brought you these flowers from the garden because I knew you were having a hard day. They're peonies, not roses, because I know that's your favorite flower. It could have been so different. If the, if the wife didn't say, I'm just jumping out and doing my own thing, and if the husband wouldn't have been passive and a slug and, and got up and said, you know what, there's a snake. We don't like snakes. Boop, right? That's what we're supposed to do. Amen. I have no idea where I am now. Kind of got carried away. Okay, so here's the deal. Um, Steph will, will talk to me and say, um, you know, women are concerned about submitting their husband because they think if they do that, then they have to let all of their dreams, all of their desires, all the things that God has put in their heart, and they have to just let that go. And, and, and here's, my, here's my response to this. No, a, a godly husband actually has a desire for his wife to be all God created her to be. And says, she is a gift to me, and so I am going to look and try to to raise her up and and get behind her and help her be what God's deposited in her, right? And, and, And so that's what we believe in. We believe in that kind of servant type of leadership that gets under and helps people actually be who they're called to be. But can I just tell you this? This thought of, I can't, I can't submit to someone else if I'm going to live out my dream. Can I just tell you, that's not actually how the kingdom works. Like everyone has to get under someone for them to become all they're called to be. And let me just tell you, David, the King David in the Bible, he was under the worst ruler. His name was Saul and God found him and said, I see your heart and therefore I'm going to make you king. Can I just tell you that we all have to get under leadership and that God will find you and he looks for the heart. Now, now listen, I am not talking about uh, letting yourself be abused, letting yourself be mistreated. That is not okay. I am not saying, I am not saying that. But what I am saying is this position of honor and love and respect. And so sometimes people inevitably will think, well, because you're talking about headship in the home, 
then, then you must be a person who thinks that, 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 that uh, a woman can't do anything except be back in the corner in the kitchen. Can I just tell you? And they're like, because you're old school. Can I just tell you, I'm so old school that I actually go back to the Old Testament in the book of Proverbs and listen to this. She selects wool and flax and works with eager hands. She considers a field and buys it out of her earnings. She plants a vineyard. She sets about her work vigorously. Her arms are strong for tasks. She sees that her trading is profitable and her lamp does not go out. She makes linen garments and sells them and supplies merchants with sashes. She's clothed with strength and dignity. I think this is a, a woman having a successful career. So here, here's, here's what I'm saying. We want to we want to follow the Bible, not not some cultural thing. Uh, but here is also what I'm saying: if you decide to have children, children need to take the priority, because we always put people before profits. We always put kids before careers. And I'm talking to men and women, right? That kids should never be sacrificed on the altar of our ambition. Secondly, well, you must believe that then women can't be leaders. I, I'm not saying that. Uh, Miriam was one of the three main leaders of Israel with Moses and Aaron and the people of Israel. Okay, Deborah was a judge. Priscilla was a house church leader. Uh, what, we want the Bible. And what we want is people, everyone, to live out their calling and their destiny. Well, you don't think that women can use their gifts in church? No, of course I believe that. Right, Ephesians 4, God gave gifts to mankind, not just men, right? And, and throughout the Bible, Paul's constantly affirming different women who are using their gifts in the church, as is Jesus, right? But what we want is a heart of humility in everyone in the church. And it's always about him and them first, not me getting mine. So let's end with this, this gem of a verse. Verse 33, however, each one of you must love his wife as he loves himself and the wife must respect her husband. Okay, here's, here's one thing I've seen as a pastor for years of speaking, especially as I, as I teach uh, pastors and, and missionaries. I'll talk about Sabbath and the need for refreshment and, and, and your need to do something that refreshes you. And I'll talk to men about it and they're immediately like, oh yeah, I totally know what refreshes me. Basketball or fishing or hunting or surfing or barbecue. You know, or men, men will just know what refreshes them. Men know how to love themselves. I, I would rather have more men clapping right now than women clapping. I will talk to women at times. They will hear this and they will go, well, I don't know what refreshes me. And the reason is because they've spent so much time serving their man and serving their kids that they haven't had time to refresh themselves. Okay, so what? No, shh. all right. <laughs> Let me finish. Here, here, here's what I'm talking about right here. Verse 31. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is called the law of priority. Men, this is one of the greatest gifts we give to our wives, is that in ancient culture, parents were everything. And this scripture is saying, you actually need to leave your parents and put your wife as number one. And so a wife needs to know she is number one. Now, here's what I find. 
the vast majority of women, they're okay with a husband having a hobby. Like, if you know me, you know I have hobbies. I love to, to, to hunt, and fish, and surf, and ride my horse. And, and I, I love it. But I have got to make Steph understand that she is before any of those things. But, but women, am I right in thinking you're okay with your husband having a hobby? Like, you'd actually rather him have one than just sit around in your house and be a loaf. You need some free time. You need some space. You just want to know that you're first. You want to know that he loves you more than he loves a fish, right? And so here, here is what Paul's saying. Hey, husbands, you're good at loving yourself. So use that to understand how to love your wife. So here's what I do. I, all the time, I start thinking, man, I'd love to do this right now. Oh, I'd love to go out and catch some waves right now. Oh, I'd love to be on a hike right now. And then I use that to go, but what does Steph need? I think, wait, does Steph know that she's first? And I go, Steph, how are you doing? What do you need today? How can I help you today? You use that need, that thing you know how to love yourself to focus it onto your wife, men. And let me just tell you, one of the greatest things you can do is just go tell your wife, honey, you know you're number one. Like she needs to hear that constantly, not just at your wedding vows. She needs to hear it again. And, and then you can say, if you really want bonus points, say, I'm sorry, I don't always make you feel like number one. Whoa, that humility. Woo-wee. We're going to have some happy wives today. All right, wives. Um, th- this, is, uh, this is for you, and this is hard. It says this, and a wife must respect her husband. Some of you wives are like, I'll give him respect when he deserves respect. I will respect him when he becomes respectable, right? But right now he's a lazy, good-for-nothing, low-down, yellow-belly snake, right? And that's not what the Scripture says. It says wives must respect their husband. I know he's got sin in his life, right? I know he's got issues. I know he doesn't always make you feel best. Look at what Peter says, because sometimes we think, well, Paul, you're just so hard. No, look at Peter as well. First uh, Peter 3 says, in the same way, you wives be submissive to your own husband, so that even if any of them are disobedient to the word, they may be won without a word by the behavior of their wives as they observe your chaste and respectful behavior. He's saying, even if your husband is disobedient, Even if your husband's messing up, even if your husband's sinful, treat him respectfully. And then they'll be won by your behavior. Wives, you want your husband to be a prince? Then start treating him like a prince. Can can I just tell you something, women? Um, This might be a surprise for some of you, but your husband is as sensitive as you are. Your husband is a sense that he has his tender heart, maybe more tender. Like you look at him and he's all big and stinky and gruff and burly. He looks like a bear. Inside, he's a bunny. But we treat him like a bear. Can I just tell you, I care more about what Steph thinks about me than any person on earth. And if she wanted to, she could just fillet my heart into pieces. And here's what happens. I see wives doing that. We meet people for counseling, and the husband says, yeah, my wife told me I'm the most selfish person on earth. 
And he's like, I'm no, I'm no saint, but I'm definitely not the most selfish person on earth. Those people are in prison. <laughs> she, she said, I never help with the kids. I, I picked up the kids from school just the other day, three weeks ago. No, but then it gets worse. I, I actually hear, you know, um, women start cursing their husbands because this is how women, uh, you, you are inclined to lean in relationally. Women build rapport by giving report. Well, I'm just going to tell you every single thing that's going on. I'm going to tell you every single thing that's in my heart. And, and if I have a problem, I'm going to tell you about it. I'm going to lean in and we're going to talk about this problem. And we're going to work it out. We're going to keep talking until we finally worked it out. Men, on the other hand, Men think there's a problem, then I'm going to fix it, right? And so the woman's like, there's a problem. There's so many problems. We got to talk about our problems. And the husband starts going, oh my goodness. And then she's like, oh, he's not listening to me. So I'm going to start stabbing him. I'm going to go out, you, you're, you're this. You don't do this because if I just say enough, then I'm finally going to get his attention. But what does a husband do? A husband backs off and goes silent, Right? And then sometimes he even walks away. And the wife is going, if you love me, you wouldn't be silent. You'd work this through with me. But a husband, you see, we have a different orientation that we learned growing up. And it's this, this code with other men that if you insult me deep enough, those are fighting words. So if you just keep going and taking my character down to the carpet, then what I learned is I'm going to fight. But a godly husband says, but I can't fight you because you're my wife and I got to honor you. So the only thing I can do to not blow my fuse is just go, don't say it. But then you're not saying it. She's like, why isn't he talking? He didn't love me. And he's like, I'm not talking because I love you. <laughs> and then he walks away and she's like, why is he walking away? He must not love me. And he's like, I'm walking away because I love you. Are you following me? So wives, respect your husband even when you feel like he's unrespectable. Because by treating him that way, you call him into being the person he's created to be. You know how men become a prince like they should be? is by you believing that they can be a prince. Men become what their wives believe that they are. Men become what they think their wife believes about them and what their wife says about them. You call out the gold and watch his tank get filled and watch him become the person you dreamed he would become. You just put those deposits of tenderness and respect and that man will jump over, jump through hoops and, and, and climb mountains to honor you because he wants your respect more than anything on earth. So husbands, we love. And, and we gotta get out of the vicious cycle because you're, you're like, well, I'll respect him when he loves me. And he's like, well, I'll love her when she respects me. Someone's gotta move first. And can I just tell you, as much as the enemy hates marriage, and wants to destroy it. Our heavenly father loves marriage. And so he has the grace for you. He has the power for you. He's going to give you supernatural forgiveness. You just cry out to him and say, God, this is hard. And God's going to say, yes, son, it is hard. But I went to the cross so that you can have my Holy Spirit so you can do the impossible. And he starts pouring it into you, man. He starts pouring it into you, woman. And grace starts flowing. And you start looking a little more like Jesus. And you start living out the purpose he created you for. Let's stand up. If you are here and you're married today, I want you and your spouse is here, I want you to grab their hand. 
You want to come up here, Steph, or you got to leave? Come on up. I almost did it. I almost I've been trying to get her to. I totally forgot y'all were standing there. I've been. I know. She was lost in love. I've been trying to get her to kiss me on stage for 18 years. Hadn't happened yet. Um, hold hands, married couples. If uh, I won't do that to her. Thank you. Because I love her. And she respects me. Um, grab, grab your spouse's hand right now. If you are single and you're near a married couple, lay hands on them. If you are a, um, if you're married, but your spouse isn't here, put your hand on your heart. Uh, because I want to pray for you. Father, first of all, I pray for everyone who has carrying deep pain in marriage. We thank, that you, thank you that your arm is not too short to save. You came to set the captives free. Lord, I am praying for healing for everyone that's incurred abuse, that's had all kinds of hurtful things done to them. We thank you, Lord, that you ultimately reveal yourself as that loving, loving uh, marriage partner and that you want to heal all of our hearts. Lord, secondly, for these marriages in the room, Lord, we are praying for grace and we are praying for favor and we are asking that forgiveness would flow and we're asking for hope to arise and faith to arise, Lord. Certainly the same Jesus who raised from the dead has enough power to help us and heal our marriages. And now, Lord, I'm praying for everyone in this room that is not married but wants to be married. Lord, I'm praying that they would have a roadmap from your scripture about what a true, healthy, holy, God-centered marriage would look like. And Lord, we'd put away our idolatry and we'd put away our unrealistic expectations. And Lord, we would put you first, that you would be the center of every marriage of people that call all people's church their church. Lord, I pray, especially right now for all these youth, I pray that they would find godly spouses. Those that want to be married, Lord, we are praying that, that they would marry for the right reasons and they would marry someone running after Jesus as fast as them and that they would have marriages that are blessed and protected by you. I'm asking these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Can I have some uh, leaders just quickly come down, fill the front? Whenever we talk about marriage, there's all kinds of pain. There's all kinds of problems. And if there's a challenge in your life, maybe you're, you came from a very unhealthy marriage or your parents weren't even married. And you're just saying, man, I just need prayer because I need a new mindset. We want to pray for you. That could even be some of you youth. I need a, a, a good number of leaders. Uh, some of you need to come down with your spouse and say, pray for us because we're struggling right now. And that humility, the Bible says, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and he'll lift you up. We want to pray for you. Some of you, your spouse isn't here and you just need someone to agree with you to call them into the kingdom, to call him or her into following Jesus. You come forward right now. If you have a need in regards to this topic, you just come right now. We want to pray with you. We want to believe with you. We want to be a supportive family for you because God loves you and has plans to prosper, not to harm you, to give you hope and a future. Why don't you lead us in one last song, Zach, and then we'll conclude our service.